Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And to Lot we gave judgment and knowledge, and we saved him from the city that was committing wicked deeds. Indeed, they were a people of even, evil, defiantly disobedient. Sadaqallahu al-Aliyyul Azim. Respected brothers and sisters, dearest viewers, wherever you may be, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Last night, alhamdulillah, we continued with the life of Prophet Ibrahim salam. We looked at his marriage and the two prophets that came from him, Prophet Ismail salam and Prophet Ishaq salam. If you haven't watched that episode, then please do go back on our social media, our Facebook and our YouTube channel and watch those there as they will be uploaded. But if you want to continue following us on this Ramadan special, then please follow us on YouTube and Facebook, any IPTV, your iOS and Android devices. Tonight, inshallah, we'll be looking at Prophet Lut alayhi salam and, and his community surrounding him and the acts that they were committing. I am Minhal Khafaji and I am your host for tonight. And what better way to discuss the life of Prophet Lut alayhi salam than with Dr. Sayyid Amman Naqshwani, Sayyidina, Assalamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Assalam wa Rahmatullah. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, very well. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Now, Sayyidina, when you seek to explain the story of Prophet Lut alayhi salam, many have their opinions on what happened. So, how do you reach a conclusion on his story? I don't think there's a story that is as contemporary as the story of the Prophet Lot, or as known in other religions as Prophet Lot, and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Because many times people will say that the Quran is an archaic book. The Quran is a book that doesn't relate very much to the lives that we're living. But there's a reality that there are stories in the Holy Quran that are stories which are affecting our communities in the world until today. There are major debates that exist about same-gender relations and about the permissibility of same-gender relations in Islamic law. And out of 124,000 prophets who God sent, you find that one of them had the interaction with people who favored to have same-gender relations with one another. Therefore, when the question arises about the permissibility of same-gender marriage or same-gender relations and its relation to Islamic law or its relation to the Muslim community, the diaspora, which has moved to the Western circles and Western shores, then a lot of our knowledge can be taken from this story. Now, there's a fundamental point which needs to be understood here as well, and that is that... There are opinions within the Muslim community as to what the verses in the story of Lot refer to. Do they refer to an outright prohibition of same-gender relations? Do they refer to only cases of rapists who had gone wild? And therefore, some Muslims will try to reach a conclusion. You will find that the only issue that there is in the story is that forced sex, for example, is problematic. Mm -hmm. Whereas if somebody is involved in a loving relationship, irrespective of whether you're of the same gender 
or of the opposite gender. It's not problematic in the eyes of God. The question arises, how do I reach an understanding of this story? Mm-hmm. I think the Quran gives us more than enough of an understanding. But I think it's fundamental that alongside the Quran, one needs Ahlul Bayt to provide us with a clear-cut answer. The Qur'an by itself can bring you so many interpretations from the most far left to the most far right. Everybody is going to interpret the Qur'an in their own ways. They're going to start saying that I think this is what the opinion is. Of course. I think that the opinion is only about love. I think the opinion is about rape. I don't think that God had a problem with homosexuality as such. But rather he just had a problem with a group of people who were also thieves, who also used to harass travelers. So these are also crimes. For me, I take my knowledge and understanding of the verses of the Holy Qur'an from the family of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. What does Imam al-Baqir say about this verse? What does Imam al-Sadiq say about this verse? What laws emerge from this verse? These are all fundamental areas which are part of the methodology of understanding every story in the Holy Qur'an, but in particular this one. Because with this one, I'm seeing so many opinions And I think that a lot of the opinions related to this story is because sometimes political coercion may lead you to having to accept a particular opinion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is uncertainty even from the pulpits of the mosques where they don't address such issues because they're always seen as taboo. Don't talk about these subjects. No, you can openly talk about them without being rude or offensive. Exactly. You know, a person can talk about what each of their books say. Now, there might be people out there who don't believe in God. So a lot of what I probably will say doesn't interest them. And they don't have to be interested. And nor should I lose any sleep if they are interested or not. If you're an atheist out there and you have your own moral worldview and your own moral compass, which constantly evolves... um, True. uh, As we see, then it's completely up to you whether you want to take our word or no. We're not forcing you to take our word, but we believe that the Qur'an is the word of God. And we believe that Ahlul Bayt والسلام, are the walking Qur'ans. Qur'ans on the earth. They provide us with the knowledge as the Holy Prophet said, <laughs> Hold on to the Qur'an, hold on to the Ahlul Bayt. For you to have an understanding of the true story of Lut with the people of Sodom. Mm-hmm. There are stories even of companions of the Prophet, peace be upon his family, that don't add up. There are narrations from them that don't make sense. I hold on to the words of the Ahlul Bayt. And even within the words of Ahlul Bayt, in terms of what's reached us, there is a criteria, a methodology by which we un- understand this. Mm-hmm. So the methodology is important. But I don't think you'll find a story in the Holy Quran like the one we're going to analyze now. Now, Sayyidina, before we analyze the story, Yesterday we mentioned that Prophet Ibrahim left with Prophet Lut mm. So they were obviously at the same time But who was Prophet Lut to Prophet Ibrahim? Oh Prophet Lut according to many narrations was Prophet Ibrahim's first cousin Okay. In the same way Sarah the mother of Prophet Ibrahim Not the wife, we'll come to the wife shortly Sarah the mother of Prophet Ibrahim was the daughter of a Prophet Likewise her sister Mm-hmm. By the name of Warqa, or some narrations say Ruqayya, okay. was also the daughter of a prophet. And Ruqayya had Lut, and she had Sarah. Mm-hmm. 
and Sarah had Ibrahim. So they are first cousins to one another. Yeah. Now, Prophet Lot was hugely affected by Prophet Ibrahim. Um, was this what was let, that led to his prophet? Well, he, he absolutely loved uh, Prophet Ibrahim alayhi You know, at the beginning, there was no real relation between them because Prophet Ibrahim, we said, for the first 15 years of his life was where? He was in the cave. In the cave, yeah. Um, hiding because of the fact that Nimrod wanted to kill the newborn who was prophesied to take over his kingdom. Yeah. Eventually, when Prophet Ibrahim comes to his own, begins to debate those who worship the idols, begins to talk with others, Nabi Lut has a strong admiration for his cousin and for his prophet. Subhanallah. He was always there alongside him whenever he would speak to the idols. And in terms of the, those who were worshipping the idols, he would always be there. He would always be there alongside him when the fire was about to burn him. He was one of his most valiant supporters trying to stand for him. He was there alongside him when Nabi Ibrahim wanted to marry Sarah. Lord said, my sister, it's an honor that we have our cousin Ibrahim mm -hmm. propose for you for marriage. And likewise, when Nabi Ibrahim went towards the lands of uh, Jordan and Palestine and that whole region, Nabi Lut was the first to join him. So you find that without a doubt, he was one of his most ardent supporters um, in the beginning of the mission of Nabi Ibrahim salam. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Prophet Ibrahim an Imam for mankind. Did he enforce this with Lot Well naturally if Nabi Ibrahim is the Imam for mankind, as the Quran says, uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, قَالَ إِنِّي جَاعِلُكَ لِلنَّاسِ إِمَامًا I am making you an Imam for mankind. This Imam is a guide, a director for the affairs of Allah on earth. He is the one who guides the masses, brings them towards moral and spiritual heights. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things that Nabi Ibrahim السلام, does when appointed as an Imam for mankind is that he tells Nabi Lut, go towards the people of Sodom. You see, Nabi Lut السلام, because of his loyalty to Nabi Ibrahim, because of his sincerity, because of his humility, you find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appoints him to take the position of being a prophet of God. And when he would travel with Nabi Ibrahim السلام, after they had left the land where Numrud was leaving, they would invite people towards the path of God. And when they're inviting people towards the path of God, they had a lot more success in their new area, the land of Hebron, than they had in their previous area. <coughs> so you found that Nabi Ibrahim السلام, his supporter was Nabi Lord. Like every prophet has a supporter. You find that Nabi Musa's supporter was Harun <laughs> Nabi Dawood's supporter was Nabi Sulaiman Rasulullah his greatest supporter was Imam Ali Every prophet has a supporter. And the support to Nabi Ibrahim was Nabi Lord. So Nabi Ibrahim السلام, tells Nabi Lord, I want you to go towards the land of Sodom. Mm -hmm. For there is mischief and there is immorality happening there that I need you to guide the people away from so that they come towards a path of purification. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned that because in chapter 11 verse 74 it mentions it, it says, and when the fright had left Abraham and the good tidings had reached him, he began to argue with us concerning the people of Lord. But going back to Sodom, the people of Sodom, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, where were they located? 
Well, you're looking at a group of people who are probably by the Sea of Galilee, you know. Um, many refer to their area as being the area near the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go to Ordon or you go to Jordan, there's the yeah. Dead Sea where people will go there and they'll be floating within the sea and the salt water and so on. Many believe that that is where that whole area was turned upside down. Mm -hmm. uh, Sodom is actually made up of four cities. Okay. You have... Um, Sadum, and you have Sadim, you have Adma, and you have Omeira. Mm -hmm. So these are four cities uh, where Nabi Lut went towards. Sure. But the most famously in the English language, they are known as Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, we know the story of Prophet Lut is all to do with same gender marriages. Now, what led them to the same gender relations? You know, the people who inhabited this town, you know, the people who inhabited these areas, they were actually very good people in their origin. They were very successful, very wealthy, had the most beautiful crops you'll ever see, most beautiful gardens, not far away from the sea, not the worst place in the world to be. They'd go out and work in their fields and their ladies would be living at home. Up to this point, there was nothing recorded whatsoever in the time of Nuh or in the time of Saleh or in the time of Hud of any same gender relation. It was normal. The husband gets married to the wife. Sure. And you'll have that in that particular culture, in that area. The husband would go out to earn a living, come back to his wife. These people, therefore, were living very comfortable lives. Were people who were also renowned for their hospitality. Okay. Because it was a, a route where many caravans would go past. So this route where the caravans would go past, the people would really be in honor. And in awe of the people's hospitality of the area of Sodom. Mm-hmm that anybody who would come past, they'll say to him, listen, come have something to drink, come have something to eat, come rest. They were the, the envy of others. Suddenly a drought affects them. Now, when this drought affects them, one of the biggest tests you have as a human being is when you begin to lose everything, how much faith do you still have in God? Sure they began to notice that the droughts had affected them. The crops were not growing like they used to. Mm -hmm. And this made a lot of the people begin to question their belief. Because one of the moments in which a person begins to question their belief in God is when things aren't going too well. Mm -hmm. When everything's going well, we don't mind. Listen, you want me to believe in God, I'll believe in God. You want me to do salawat, I'll do salawat. You know, you want me to... Attend lectures, I'll attend lectures. But when things aren't going well, that's when we disappear from the mosques. You'll find that when a person's doing amazing, if they can come to the mosque, and when they're not doing too well, but they're still at the mosque, that's the greatest sign of faith. Because that person knows Allah has given them more than he's taken from them. And even if we're going through a trial, as long as this trial gets me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is a wonderful trial. Mm -hmm. When their crops... When there was a drought and the crops weren't growing like they wanted the crops to grow, and that there were people from neighboring towns who now were taking advantage of this, some were coming to steal the odd part of the farm, the odd part of their crops, wow, really? they were getting frustrated. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And you know, the worst thing is to kick somebody when they're already down. You know, when someone's mm-hmm. down, then you come and kick them. You know, these people Worst aren't thing. doing well economically. And this group of people who aren't doing well economically are also seeing people from other areas who are now taking advantage of them not doing too well economically mm-hmm. by coming to hurt what they love the most. They love their wealth. They don't want anyone to come and take it. And so there was a frustration in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah amongst the people. Nobody builds on your weakness like shaitan, like Satan. Sure, of course. When you're down, nobody is able at that moment to take advantage of you being down like shaitan. Mm-hmm. And that's why we always have to be wary. And Surah Yasin, that wonderful line, Alam ahadilaykum ya bani adam an la ta'budu shaitan. An open enemy is that when you're a bit weak in your faith, the whispers, you know, whispers of shaitan, mm-hmm. whispers, you know what? If things aren't going too well for you, try doing this. Don't let people take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. If you have to hurt somebody, hurt them. If you have to kill them, kill them, as we saw with the story of Qabil with Habil. Yes, yes. When these people were getting frustrated, we said that in Islam, Satan was allowed to manifest himself. Not as a prophetic figure, that would never be allowed for him, but he could manifest himself as a human being. Mm-hmm. And he comes towards the people of that town, and he tells them that, listen, you're clearly all frustrated with what's happening. So you shouldn't be allowing these people to come into your area and steal things. So you know what you should do to them? Next time you catch somebody who's stolen something, strip him of his clothing and then rape him. And let this be a lesson to everybody in the future that if they think that they have a chance of taking anything, then they're going to be raped. Now the people were looking at him thinking, this is disgusting. Mm. You know, uh, this is something which is abhorrent even the most primitive human being knew that there are parts of the human body which weren't meant for intercourse. And what you find is that they begin to say, no, this is not what we're going to do. This is disgusting. There's, there's, you know, there's murmurs going on around them. That mm. what is the, that's the most disgusting thing we've ever heard. Yeah. You know, anal intercourse, anal penetration, male, male. They're looking at all of this and they think this is absolutely disgusting. Mm. They said that we'll execute those who come past, which is them taking the law into their own hands. But they said that what we're going to do is we're going to execute. So when they said that we're going to execute, they did catch somebody. And they catch this young boy. And again, within the traditions of Ahlul Bayt, that young boy was somebody who has a profound effect on them. Again, it's shaitan's influence. Mm -hmm. That the person, when they catch him, one of them says, you know what, I'll make him stay at my place for the night and tomorrow we'll execute him. That young boy who they say is a manifestation of shaitan, the young boy tells that person whose house he's staying in, my dad used to caress my body in the night and I'd be delighted if you can also touch me. Um, it makes me feel better and I can get mm. to sleep as well. Mm-hmm. 
when he begins to touch him and the boy begins to touch the man, they begin to have an arousal, feelings for one another. And that becomes sexual intercourse between each other. Whole night of sexual intercourse with one another. Man wakes up, realizes that that boy's gone. And when he realizes he's gone, everybody else begins to ask what's happening. When they realize what's happening, although there are some who are still in shock, there are others who begin to think to themselves that maybe this is something we can join in as well. Mm. Before you know it, they start all sleeping with one another. All the men of the town start having sex with one another. Mm -hmm. Because the moment it's begun, and the moment one of them has begun to talk about it, because what begins to happen first is that they start raping every man who, or every teenager who has taken something from their farms. But when you found that something enjoyable, mm. to have that form of sex, then why wouldn't you start thinking, let's have it amongst each other? So at the beginning, what you have is pure rape. Mm -hmm. Now, let's look at this issue. Yeah. Some people say, God is unhappy with Sodom and Gomorrah because of their raping one another. And this can be answered in a number of ways. Firstly, yes, at the beginning it was rape. Whoever was caught was raped. Mm -hmm. But then after that, they started to have sexual relations with each other, which wasn't rape. They were enjoying having that sex with one another. If somebody says God was only unhappy with them raping each other, I'm surprised that Nebulot later in the story offers his daughters to rapists. I've never seen a father who offers, like Lot offered his daughters to rapists. We'll come to that later on. Inshallah. What you have is that rape was the beginning. Mm -hmm. And yes, there may be rape, which occurs between male and female and male and male, which is both disgusting and abhorrent. Exactly. But there is no denying that after they were raping those people who had come into their areas, then after that they started to have relations with one another with no hate. There was no malice. Mm -hmm. Rather, it was pleasant amongst one another, but in the eyes of God, unnatural and immoral. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why call them an evil, wicked group of people? Some try to say, well, they're only evil and wicked because they used to be highway thieves or they used to harass people who'd come past their town. No, the whole discussion is clear. You start preferring men instead of women. I'm sure you've seen the verse in the Quran mm -hmm. about them going towards and, men and, and instead of going towards women. Yeah, and that's in uh, chapter 7 verse 81. It says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Indeed, you approach men with desire instead of women. Rather, you are a transgressing people. I don't think the Quran could be more clear. Mm -hmm. That's why it baffles me when I hear that there are Muslims out there who say the Quran has no problem with it. Forget hadith because everybody will have their own opinion on hadith. Even though if I see Imam al-Baqir, Imam al-Sadiq telling me that this is an act which is prohibited, that's enough for us. Mm -hmm. But it's clear in the Quran that the issue is 
going towards the same gender. Now listen, if you don't want to believe in the Quran, and you think there is no God, there's no books of religion, these are all fantasies, you could do what you want, I don't really mind. You can believe in a flying saucer, you can believe in UFOs, you can believe in anything you want. I have come to an understanding, which I share with Christianity and Judaism, that's what, that only makes up about 3 billion of us, come to an understanding that this is the story and how it relates. Mm -hmm. Even then after that, lesbian relationships became the norm. So at the beginning, what was the relationship? At the beginning was Gays, you know, the gay relationship men. in terms of male-male yes, relations. Yes. Then the ladies began to have relations with each other. I don't think the ladies were necessarily raping each other. Mm -hmm. If we're going to continue with that rape line, that God had no problem with love, he has a problem with rape. Mm -hmm. I don't think the ladies were raping each other. <coughs> uh, rather, they were having these relations with one another. So I think the Quran is pretty clear. That this was an evil act mm -hmm. by a wicked group of people who not only sexually abused and used their sexual power to abuse those who were passing by them, be they good or bad, mm -hmm. but also started to have sex and not just sex, they were having orgies wow. with one another. There are hadiths that mention because in the world today, there it's, it's there. Look, it's mm -hmm. not something. That giving a lecture on it means it's going to stop. <clears throat> Everyone has their own worldviews. I don't know what people's pasts are. I don't know what people's childhoods are. I don't know what people have seen. But these orgies still exist. But if you're asking who's the first to have got together in orgies with one another and have full-blown male-male sex, then the Quran, which people say is an outdated book, which has no lessons for today, is the one that openly talks about the fact that Lot tells his people, you go towards the men mm -hmm. when there is the woman for you. Clearly highlighting Islam prohibiting homosexuality. Now saying that, with that, did they have any other uh, bad attributes? Yeah, as I said, they do have other bad attributes. Mm -hmm. Robbery is there, highway thieves, harassment of people. Um, and what, the, what also begins to happen is, look at the importance of the food you eat. And your hygiene. Mm -hmm. When you start indulging in the world of haram food, you don't care about food anymore. You don't care how food is slaughtered. You don't care about hygiene. You don't care about you are what you eat. Haram became a norm for them when in the past it wasn't. And likewise, in terms of them purifying themselves, in terms of their cleaning habits, how much Islam stresses on ghusl after sexual intercourse? How much Islam stresses, for example, on, um, you know, on purification after going to the bathroom, yeah. on even when you have the period of, or the monthly cycles there are mm -hmm. particular, you know, these all have a spiritual effect. These suddenly started leaving them. Yes. Now, before we go to the break, how is it that Prophet Lord escape their vicious passions. Yeah, well, he enters the town and he's thinking, listen, I've heard there's a town where they, <clears throat> any man that's walking, they're all over him. Mm -hmm. um, and he actually enters covered up. Uh, but one of them spots that the clothing that he's wearing seems to be different to the rest of them. So he knows that this is someone from outside of town. Mm -hmm. Perfect opportunity to catch more meat um, and to take advantage. And they come towards him as a gang and they want him. Uh, and you know, when one's sexual energy has no 
moral direction. There's no limits to what you could do as a human being. Exactly. There's absolutely no limits. Exactly. I don't care what anyone says. You know, animals, that's not even a limit for some. They'll have bestiality in the world. Some humans will even go after innocent kids. Some will even sleep with their own family members. Unless there's a moral code, living in a world without a moral code where you start making up your moral code is a slippery slope. Uh, so, um, so yeah, the, the Nabi Lut then turns around to them and he says, don't attack me. I'm the cousin of Ibrahim alayhi salam. They take a couple of steps back because Nabi Ibrahim right. has such a high reputation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, anyone who survives fire is, is doing well in life. And, and they were like, okay, he's like, don't any of you touch me. I'm the son of Haran and the cousin of Ibrahim. The same way Allah protected Ibrahim, he'll protect me. They start to walk away. And then he lives amongst them. Ahsan Sayyidna. Thank you very much for tuning in to the first part of Live in London with Dr. Sayyid Aman Akshawani as we discuss the life of Prophet Lut alayhi salam. Do keep sending in your questions, they are coming in uh, in the hundreds and we'll see you in the second part where we further discuss the life of Prophet Lut alayhi salam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. <laughs>
Whereas on the contrary, she was of those who used to work their hardest to scoff at his message and to laugh at him. And hence you mentioned rightly, Allah gives the example to those who disbelieve, the wife of Noah and the wife of Lord. They were both married to servants of ours, but they died as disbelievers and they'll have double the punishment. Mm. A person who lives with the prophets of God and still works behind the scenes to light fires, to tell people that, look, he's got guests. There's a couple of men in here. Quickly, come in, come and see them. That person knew very well the sexual energy of that area, knew very well that people had lost all forms of decency. And instead of supporting her husband, she ends up being one of his biggest enemies. His daughters, however, not. We say that he had three daughters, some say two. We say that he had three daughters and these daughters were loyal and supportive of their father. Mm -hmm. Never did they give up on, from, on their father, never were they backstabbing their father. So they were in contrast to the wife. The wife was working diligently to try and block the message of Lord alayhi salam. Now Sayyidina, you mentioned that not every natural act is a moral act. So let's try to relate it to today. Is being gay natural or is it because of the environment around you, this whole nature-nurture thing? Well, according to Islamic teachings, it is a behavior displayed because of the environment in which you either have grown up, uh, the area which you've lived, or a particular decision that you've made, that that's an orientation that you want to live by. Mm -hmm. There are those out there who believe that people are born naturally as X or naturally as Y. And there may be Muslims out there who call themselves by their orientation, that becomes their identity, that I'm a gay Muslim because of my sexual orientation, I say that I'm so-and-so. They will say to you that I've always had feelings from a young age for the same gender. Now, when a person begins to make up themselves what's natural and what's not unnatural, we fall into a dilemma. Mm -hmm. Because somebody out there in a few years' time can make another act which today we find unnatural. Mm -hmm. Natural. It was only 50 years ago that on the criteria of psychological disorders in the United States. Okay that the homosexual community was seen as a community with a psychological disorder. Today, it's seen as being very natural. Mm -hmm. There are other communities in the world today who are seen as unnatural. Now, you may find, for example, someone could say, I was born with feelings which are classified as the feelings of a pedophile. Mm -hmm. If you say to him, that's disgusting, he'll be like, well, you used to say that the gay community 40 years ago, 50 years ago was disgusting. Today they're cool. Mm -hmm. So why am I disgusting? It's just a matter of time before I can find a few studies which I make as being the blanket study which everybody has to go by. Mm -hmm. Someone will say, but the problem with if a group of people say, naturally I have feelings for kids and I have these pedophilic feelings, They'll say there is no consent there. So when you sexually abuse a child, cannot be done. Society will never accept. Okay. 
How about incest? Today, seen incest as being unnatural. Exactly. But what if a father with the son, a father with the daughter, and they're at an age group where they are independent enough to make their own decisions, not being forced upon them? How could you tell them that that's unnatural? They'll say, listen, your community, the gay community, a few years back was seen as being unnatural. Yeah. Now, it's everybody is born this way. Mm. Why can't I be born with having feelings for my sister, for example? Sexual feelings for my father, for example. Mm -hmm. Again, with the slippery slope, where are we heading? There might be someone who says, I have a sexual attraction to sheep and goats. There are people out there who will say to you, I want to have sex with sheep, with goats. There are parts where people live in, in areas where they will do such things. You'll be like, that's disgusting, buddy. When we start making up our own laws of what's natural and what's not, mm. there's no limit to what people are going to say. Well, I think there are some people who even, people, yeah. who even mm. were serial killers who said, I was born with a nature to want to kill. So you cannot put me in prison because I was born a killer. Mm. Who decides what's natural, what's not? Mm -hmm. Look, if it's open for society, we can act out many things we feel are natural. Yeah. Where my imagination takes me, there's no limit to the things I want to do. I'll be very frank, there's no limit. Fair enough. You want to be involved in all sorts of relations. And I'm not talking same gender, I'm talking opposite gender. You want to have an adulterous relationship. Mm -hmm. A person wants to be involved in an adulterous relationship, wants to be with somebody who's married. But there is a boundary that is set. That moral boundary came to us from the heavens to the people of the earth. If you don't believe in God and you don't believe that God guides his creation, then you can believe in whatever you want. You believe that it's natural and so on. It's completely up to you. I'm not getting in your way. However, if you're asking Islamically, then no, Islamically, we don't believe that people are born gay. Yeah, someone has chosen that orientation. Mm -hmm. It's completely up to them. You're living in the UK. You're living in the Western world. There's no issues there whatsoever. You choose your orientation. You want to get married to the same gender? You can get married to the same gender. Mm -hmm. You want to openly come out and say that you're gay? You can openly come out and say that you're gay. It's up to you. But to say that there are people who are born gay and that there are people uh, who are born to choose, for example, the more conventional relationship that you have in society is between the opposite genders. Sure. Uh, no, that's not an Islamic belief. Now, Sayyidina, we have a few questions coming in from WhatsApp. Um, this one is from Fatima from Azerbaijan. She says, Assalamu alaikum Sayyid Ammar. Some people may call you homophobic if you don't accept that it's natural. Yeah, but them calling me homophobic, why? I've reach the conclusion that it's not natural. Why are you calling me homophobic? If I see somebody on the streets who's chosen that orientation, I have not got a problem with it. You know, if I see somebody, you know, I might go to, to a store and there's somebody who's chosen that orientation, I've not got a problem with them. I'm never going to show hate towards them. I just don't believe that what they do is something which is 
natural according to the religion of Islam, mm -hmm. according to the religion of Christianity and Judaism. Islam is not the only religion. Islam is just the one that gets attacked. Yes. Judaism doesn't accept homosexuality. So what, are you going to call all the Jewish community homophobic? No. Homophobic, somebody who starts spreading hate. Now what they say is, if somebody like you, Sayyid Ammar, doesn't accept the presence of the gay community, that means you're homophobic. No. Accepting the presence is one thing. Sure. I have no, I've got no problem living in a, in a pluralistic London where if you, if you decide to be gay, I've got no issue with that. Mm -hmm. We decided that you know, we're all minorities in this country and at the end of the day, if, if you feel that you've been pressurized all these years, I'm not one who's going to add to that pressure and make people hate you. Mm -hmm. But don't come and stick these terms on me that just because I don't believe that somebody is born gay, that means I'm homophobic. No, listen, stop being the police of the earth. Mm -hmm. You, maybe, in your rejection of God, want to reject what I believe. And I don't mind. To use your religion to mine's mine. Um, but this whole idea, I must also add something, that Muslims grouping the gay community as one is also unfair. There are many people who go through trials in their lives, many who have had trials in their, you know, with their family members, there's cases of sexual abuse, there are people who truly are affected by what they see around them. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to group the whole gay community as one and vilify and try and say, well, this is right, that's right. No, I'm going to say what my religion teaches. My religion teaches Mm -hmm. that such an act is an immoral act and has no place within the religion of Islam. However, if I'm living in this country, everybody is free to practice what they want. It's got absolutely mm -hmm. nothing to do with me, what orientation people choose. Mm -hmm. um, another question coming in. This one is anonymous. It says, can one be gay and Muslim? No. 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 Um, a person who follows the religion of Islam follows all the tenets and teachings of the religion. Mm. And there has absolutely never been in Sunni or Shia history any scholar who has said anything but that homosexuality is a major sin. Once again, I can't judge what you've done in your private life. Yes. It's between you and your partner, you and your family, if you believe in a God, between you and God, you know, but uh, there, there's no such thing. There really isn't. And I, I, I'm amazed that somebody who is openly gay wants to remain Muslim. Why don't you just chill and enjoy your own life without having to subscribe to this members club? You know, just go and enjoy yourself. Why do you have to insist that, well, you know, I still want to pray and I want to fast, but I want to pick and choose what of the sexual direction Islam is me. There never has been and there never will be any of the Prophet or his family who has ever said that such a relationship or such an act is acceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, so therefore, this is complete paradox. There's no such thing. Um, but yeah, the society where people are accepting everything, there's no limits. Now, this other question coming in saying, 
Let's say someone identifies as gay and Muslim and wants to come to the mosque. What should Islam's policy be? You shouldn't stop them from entering the house of God. It's not your house. Mm -hmm. That's the house of God. God will judge them. Uh, there are members of the Muslim community who may have that orientation. No one's sticking it in your face. See, I don't understand this thing. If you have an orientation, why has it become an identity? Mm -hmm. um, it's like, what are you? Oh, I'm no, listen, buddy, your sexual orientation doesn't have to be your identity. Yes. Um, and if there is somebody with that sexual orientation, they come to the mosque, they pray to God. That's between them and God. I'm not going to stop them. The path of return Islamically is open for them. Mm -hmm. um, but if they believe that their act of homosexuality is something which is accepted in the eyes of God, no, it's not. Now, saying that. Many Muslims would put, let's say, rainbows as their tags um, with same-sex marriages. Is this allowed in Islam? Well, they may be living in a society where they have to please people around them. They may have an inferiority complex. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they need to stick rainbows everywhere. Um, I don't really have that inferiority complex, you know. Uh, I think there are also like-minded people out there the problem is they're grouping all of us who reject this. They're grouping all of us as being people of hate and, and vile and homophobic and so on. No, we're not. We're actually quite pleasant people. Um, but we can see that society, when people are starting to make up their own moral laws, it's a mess at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's a big mess. Yeah. Now, Sayyidina, um, this question says, this question is anonymous, by the way. It says, the killing streak by Omar Mateen. Doesn't this show Islam's terrorist streak? Yeah, Omar Mateen was the person involved in the Orlando killing streak. Yes. And people started to say that shows Islam is a religion that has hate for gays because a Muslim went and killed mm -hmm. uh, members of the gay community in a, in a gay club, if I'm not mistaken, in Florida. <clears throat> Islam's a religion of over one and a half billion people. You've just named me one person and concluded that we're all terrorists. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Number two, those people who got killed that day shouldn't be looked at as being 49 gays. There are 49 human beings were killed. Yes, I said. I don't care what religion you come from. There's no space, no room for a person to go around showing hate to people because of their sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. I could say on a dinner table conversation, there's others thing around me that I just don't reach the conclusion that it's something mm. natural or even something which is moral. But for me to pick up a gun and kill human beings because I differ with their sexual orientation is, is disgusting. But for them to say that Islam is full of terrorists because that happened, 1.5 billion people and one person suddenly represents them. And, in America today, more evangelical Christians were against same-sex marriage than Muslims. SubhanAllah. 45% of Muslims voted for same-sex marriages to be allowed. 36% evangelical Christians. So anyone who's saying Islam is the worst religion <clears throat> against homosexuality, I think you need to go back and do a bit more research. Mm -hmm. To realize that actually there's a lot more Muslims who are quite liberal on their opinions on these things. Yeah. 
Uh, now, uh, many questions coming in. Do keep your questions coming in, brothers and sisters. Uh, Ali from Sweden says, We have gay colleagues at work. What should our relations be? Relation where a person doesn't show any disrespect. These are acquaintances of yours. And the highest manners should always be shown. Mm -hmm. um, there should be no space for rudeness. Mm -hmm. You have a difference of opinion as to a particular act and its per permissibility. Does not make you show disrespect to the people who are doing this. They're your acquaintances. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to take one more question because these are coming in so many. Um, Hadi from Los Angeles says, am I able to attend a gay wedding? There are certain lines which are to be drawn because of certain acts not being accepted and the promotion of them. Mm -hmm. So in such cases would be problematic. Now saying that, returning to the story of the people of Prophet Lord, what was his people's reactions to his words? As we see in chapter 11 verse 78, it says, and his, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and his people came hastening to him. And before this, they had been doing evil deeds. He said, O oh my people, these are my daughters. They are purer for you. So fear Allah and do not disgrace me concerning my guests. These are my daughters. They are purer for you. Mm -hmm. the, they had literally ambushed his house, having heard that there were guests. Mm -hmm. And he actually tells them that, listen, this act that you're doing of men, men, you know, having sex with one another is something unacceptable. My daughters, here they are, marry them. So he offered them. A father, a prophet of God is telling them, my daughters are purer for you. Mm -hmm. Isn't there enough for a person to realize that as a Muslim, that's quite a clear verse. Uh, but they weren't having it and they were not listening to Lord at all. 30 years and they were ready to completely attack his house and attack his family. Mm -hmm. And instigating them was his wife. His wife was telling them that, listen, I've just seen a group of guests come home. Come and enjoy what's at home. Yeah. Now, Sayyidina, you mentioned that these were rapists. And we see um, a similar ayah in chapter 15, verse 71. It says, Lord said, these are my daughters if you would be doers of lawful marriage. Which mean? proves that they are not rapists because a father mm -hmm. is not going to tell his daughters marry a bunch of rapists. Mm -hmm. There are those who said that God's only problem with them was that they were rapists. Which father says, hey, by the way, rapist number one, come have her. You who've raped a few, you come and have her. Mm -hmm. No, the, the acts they were involved in, whether it was rape or whether they had love with one another, were unacceptable. And therefore he's telling them, leave that path. My daughters are purer for you. Now, we hear that the angels actually come and visit Prophet Lut as in chapter 11, verse 70, it says, But when he saw their hands not reaching for it, he distrusted them and felt from, their, from them apprehension. They said, Fear not, we have been sent to the people of Lut. Up until that time, it seems that Nabi Lut was receiving his revelations and dreams. But this is the time where the angels are now involved, amongst them Jibra'il, Gabriel. And when he comes, at the beginning, you know, Nabi Lut's thinking, who are these? And then he realizes when they tell him that we are angels sent from the Lord to save you and save your family, except the wife. Mm. Because these people are about to attack us, they're about to attack you. We're going to have to leave the city ASAP. Mm -hmm. And they are going to be destroyed. Mm. For them, first raping, 
those who would come past their city, then having sex with one another, both the men with the men, the women with the women, this is something which is unacceptable. And however much you've guided them, and they were outside, they were smashing the ground, outside smashing the door, they wanted to get in, they wanted a piece of the meat that was in there. Mm. They wanted to have sex and an orgy with all of these guests who had come, mm -hmm. because they come in the form of men, so they yes. want to have a taste of them. Jibrail says to him, get your family ready, we're going to have to leave mm. as soon as possible. For what's going to happen to them is going to be the worst of punishments. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just one punishment. We saw with Hud and Saleh, normally you may have had wind. You may have had, for example, rain. Here you had a city that was completely turned upside down. Mm -hmm. You also had a huge explosion to affect the whole area. Mm -hmm. And then it was raining down with lava mm -hmm. and with stones of clay. Awesome. I ask you, when you read... For example, where did you read this? In which surah in the Quran? There was a surah about a group of people where clay was thrown surah on them. Surah Al-Fil. Mm -hmm. Again mentioning the stones of clay mm -hmm. which destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And you rightfully mentioned because it's mentioned in a few verses in the Quran. Um, in chapter 53, verses 53 and 54, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and the overturned towns he held down and covered them by that which he covered. And then uh, chapter 15, verse 74 and 75, it says, And we made the highest part of the city its lowest and rained upon them stones of hard clay. Yeah, completely. So yeah. It's, it's as if completely, saying, completely upside, upside down. down. And yeah. that's why many believe that the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, that is where all of mm -hmm. that area completely was destroyed. Mm -hmm. Except Nabi Lord. Now someone asked the question, how did Nabi Lord get out if all of them are outside? We know very well that there are ayahs such as Or the famous line that many mothers use For example You know you don't want yes. someone to affect no one to see Jibra'il <laughs> was able to get them out without anyone seeing them <laughs> And then in that period That whole area of Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed <laughs> Now it being destroyed this is a fundamental point just because Islam as is a religion is a religion that does not accept or promote homosexuality and doesn't believe that people are born gay doesn't mean that a person goes out there with rhetoric or with physical abuse against a group of people because of their sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Everybody has different tests, everybody has different trials, we have to recognize that for we live in a society which is a pluralistic society. Some people said Muslims can never live in a pluralistic society because if they're against the gay community and homosexuality, mm -hmm. how can they? I think on the contrary, the Muslim community, there are many things around us which Islam doesn't accept, but we can still live in that area. Mm -hmm. There are things which are sold in, in, in the West where we're living there, which are prohibited in Islam, but we don't mind. There are people drinking things which are prohibited in Islam, we don't mind. There are shops which are open which are prohibited in Islam, but we don't mind. You see, the thing is, we can live in a pluralistic society, but don't force me to have to accept an opinion. And if I don't accept it, say to me that, look, you are backward, you are homophobic, mm -hmm. you are a person full of hate. No, don't, don't corner me into that area. Yes. I'm a person, I have my opinions based on my religion. However, if you have yours, live by yours and I'll live by mine. Mm -hmm. Don't go around trying to force people into a corner that every single time someone posits an opinion now. You know, in the past they used to say the most extreme was the far right. Yes. Now it seems the left are the ones who are the police state, not the right. 
Now, if you are against abortion in any way, even though allow, Islam allows forms of abortion, no mm -hmm. doubt, mm -hmm. as you see examples like the mother's life is in danger, then abortion is allowed. But you find that um, if, for example, somebody, there's a social uh, problem that they'll face if they give birth to that child, there may be a situation where they're allowed to abort. But if somebody does say the other forms of abortion we don't accept, uh, look, you're a person of no respect, you're a person who is backward, archaic. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. My religion has its opinions. Likewise with homosexuality, I have a whole chapter where a prophet of God in the Quran 27 times is mentioned about Lord, Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, you've got the Muttafiqat, the overturned cities. The Quran sure. talks about the story. We seek to take the lessons from it. Now, Sayyidina, looking at, because we've looked at the Quran a lot, but looking at the opinion of the Bible, um, in the Bible it says that Prophet Lord would sleep with his daughters. Like, would he commit incest? Prophet, was... Prophet Lord is a prophet of God. Exactly. And would never sleep with his daughters. It was said that because there weren't any um, women for him, he started to sleep with his daughters. We completely reject the story. Know that nobody focuses on the school of in, on infallibility like the school of Ahlul Bayt. Mm -hmm. Infallibility of the prophets, infallibility of the Imams. Never would we accept a story like the biblical story that Lot slept with his daughters. We completely reject the story. Um, one more question from WhatsApp. This one's a very good question. It says, Salam Sayyid Ammar, if a person who was born a male undergoes an anatomical sex change and then bears the parts of a female, is it then permissible for him, quotation marks, to be with a man, or is it still considered homosexuality because he was born a male? No, not at all. Once a, a sex change has happened, if the scholar who you follow allows for this sex change to happen and you've had the consultation of the doctors, then that new gender is assumed and they live their life. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Yes. Thank you, and thank you to the dear viewers for tuning in to this live show. Um, I hope and I'm sure that it was very uh, insightful for you and very interesting as it was for me. Tomorrow, inshallah, we'll be looking at the life of Prophet Yaqub and Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. So do join us. Stay tuned. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to look at our audio library for more content on Quran, ethics, lifestyle and spirituality. Imam Hussain TV3, your gateway to Karbala.